Our reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, so the words that come up on the screen might be slightly different, so you'll be listening and looking, and God will be speaking to you. Praise him. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies, Let us tell our neighbours the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Amen. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So most of you, I think, will... uh, have figured out that we're doing a series on the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, And this one's on kindness. It's been suggested that the kindest thing I could do would be to deliver a very short sermon. Uh, Now, we've done love. We've talked about patience. And in the future, we'll talk about goodness and gentleness. They all sound kind of similar. If this was a Venn diagram, there'd be lots of overlap here. Um, Well, it kind of makes sense if they're all characteristics of the same fruit, I suppose. Uh, 
Um, maybe it would be odd if they were all different. But where does kindness fit in? What's different about kindness? In the passage that Jonathan just read, kindness is presented as a contrast. So there's a long list of negatives in the passage. Lies, anger, stealing, harsh words, rage, bitterness, mal it goes on about all the negatives. So what, was that got, what has that got to do with kindness? Well, it was the very last verse that Jonathan read. It said, instead, kindness. So kindness, rather than going straight to dictionary definitions, this passage in Ephesians shows it as what it's not, what it's the cure for, what it's what it defeats. So the opposite of all those things, if you like, or the counter to them is kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. When Paul's writing this, it's in a section that in some Bibles has a heading of maturity and unity, or instructions for Christian living. So Ephesians is about this great mystery of, of God's will and the plan of salvation and the relationship between God and Christ and the church. And then we come to chapter 4. So this is a really key part of this mystery of God's plan. This isn't like a little add-on saying, do all this Christian stuff and believe, and that's great. And while you're at it, if you've got a bit of time, do some kindness and just generally be nice. This is core to Paul's sermon here to the Ephesians about what this whole mystery of Christianity is. From God's plan and salvation and the church's role in that and our individual role in that. So kindness is really central to what Paul's presenting here. It appears in the very last verse of chapter 4, but it's no afterthought. This was the counter to the way the world lives. So it's a bit like the response that Christ gave when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Luke records a similar conversation that ends with the parable of the Good Samaritan. So if we're ever in need of a reminder of who our neighbor is, the Good Samaritan gives us some clues. So this suggests that true kindness might be sacrificial, might cost us. We'll come back to that in a bit. But while we're on the definition, um, I discovered this. I thought it was kind of an interesting angle on the definition of kind. And the Greek word that's used here in the Greek version of the New Testament, I'll pronounce it wrong, I'm sure, but terestotes. And in Greek, old wine was called trestos, which meant that it was mellow or smooth. Christ used the same word in Matthew chapter 11 when he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He used that same word for smooth, not harsh, comfortable almost. So this kindness has been described as the grace which pervades the whole nature, mellowing all that would be harsh and austere. It kind of links to what we heard about patience and relationships. One writer put it this way, 
When the word tristosis is applied to interpersonal relationships, it conveys the idea of being adaptable to others. Rather than harshly require everyone else to adapt your own needs and desires. When Tres is working in a believer, they seek to become more adaptable to the needs of those who are around them. I thought that was a, an interesting way to describe kindness, which we, in our English language, tend to view slightly differently, I think, sometimes. So that's kindness. What to say about this concept of kindness? Broadly, there are three things I want to say about it, and the first is that it's about reflecting God. It's the fruit of the Spirit we're talking about, after all. It's not about human niceties or the fruits of our own efforts. So this kind of kindness is about reflecting God. So what of God's kindness then? What can we learn about our kindness from God's kindness? Well, a couple of chapters before this reading... Paul uses the same word when he talks about the incomparable riches of God's grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And our reading ended with, just as in Christ, God forgive you. Just one more example is from Paul's letter to Titus. He says, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. So if our kindness is about reflecting God's kindness, it's not kindness for our own benefit to get kindness in return. It's not giving the appearance of kindness and expecting payback. It's sometimes difficult kindness. Repaying evil with good. Romans cha- the book of Romans challenges to feed our enemy if he's hungry and give him a drink if he's thirsty. And Christ himself said, love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. So that's a challenge. Kindness makes you his child, and being his child makes you kind. Another aspect of kindness is that kindness is love in action. So in chapter 4 of Ephesians, which Jonathan read, the, the last verse said, Instead, kindness, compassion, and forgiveness... So if compassion is the motivation, so it's not self-serving kindness. Kindness is the action. I mean, how often are our hearts touched when we see pain or loss or fear in others? Refugees, victims of wars, the sick, the bereaved. We can be filled with compassion. We can feel genuine love. But if it stops there, before action, then where's the kindness? It's not just kindness to the person you're being kind to. That definition that's about mellowing and removing harshness might be about how you talk about people when they're not there, 
how you pray for them when they don't know about it. And the third way in which I think kindness is reflecting God is this idea of sacrifice. Those passages about God's kindness referred to the gift of Christ and therefore to Christ's death. So kindness is much more than this idea of just being nice to people. When it suits, it's sacrifice. It's hard. This applies probably to all the fruit of the Spirit, but it occurred to me that fruit has seeds in it. Fruit's designed to be eaten, to be of benefit there and then, but the seed doesn't get eaten. Or sometimes animals eat the seed but don't digest it and spread it. So where is the seed of the fruit of the Spirit? Where are we planting it? And I think this idea of kindness and planting seeds is powerful for a family of a church with multiple generations. And a brief word, I think, on tough love. Now, I don't want to use the word cruel to be kind because I think cruel is the wrong thing, but you get the sense of it. Is When is kindness not necessarily felt as kind by the person to whom you're being kind? Psalm 141, David had a rather mature approach, I guess, to this. Let a righteous man strike me, that is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, that is oil on my head. And Proverbs 25 describes the rebuke of a, a wise judge of, uh, as being like gold. Back to God's kindness, though. This is how the message paraphrase uh, translates Romans chapter 2, verse 4. God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. So this cruel to be kind thing, it only works if you're totally within the will of God and motivated by love. It's not an excuse to get your own way. Here's one way to wrap all that up. I didn't write it. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit that reflects God's goodness, love, and mercy, mercy towards humankind. It involves tender concern, uprightness, and thoughtful deeds to others. It also requires getting rid of bitterness, anger, and malice, and forgiving one another as God forgive us. Kindness is a sign of a Christian's growth in their relationship with God and a way of proclaiming his glory. Kindness motivates us to speak life and encouragement to others and to value them as we value ourselves. So that's about kindness as a reflection of God because it is, after all, a fruit of the Spirit. So let's talk about what that means for us and this old versus new idea. So in the passage we read, 
it's all that list of bad things and then that little bit of good, but, but why? And it's kind of bracketed by, by this, um, this little bit at the start that we read in, in verse 23. To be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self. And then in verse 30, near the end, again, this is the message paraphrase, I quite like the way I put it. Um, God's Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. So like all the fruit of the Spirit, this is about change, being something new. So an apple isn't from a good tree if it isn't sweet or apple-shaped or juicy. If it's got elements of it that are not apple, then it's not an apple. So this is a complete change, not an add-on. In Romans, Paul uses this analogy of being transplanted into a new tree. And Christ used the same analogy when he said, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, said Christ, you can do nothing. But I said before that this section is about unity and maturity. And that's reassuring to those of you who, like me, struggle with this idea of complete change and feeling that I can't quite get there, I haven't quite done it. Maturity is a process. Maturity takes time. It's an idea that it's not an instant change. But it wasn't just a section about maturity, it was about maturity and unity. This is a team sport. This is not, the Christian life is not designed to be a solo effort. It's designed to be lived and we are designed to mature in community. So I want to end with one little thought and this is just, this isn't good Greek language and this probably isn't um, particularly accurate but I like the thought and it's just using the different meanings of kindness in the English language. And it's this, it's kindness through kindness. Kind is an adjective, be kind, do kind things. But it's also a noun, a group of people or things having a similar characteristic, all kinds of music or a particular kind of food. The old English word that from which we get kind has this sense of natural, native, well-born or well-bred. And thus, kind is found in kindred, my kind of people, kin, one's own family and relations. So perhaps I summarize all that I've said with kindness through kindness. The way to achieve kindness, compassion, and forgiveness is to be the kind of person that Christ was. To be fully part of his kin, his family a branch from that tree, and to see others as other branches in that tree, part of your close family. Because we're all adopted into this family of God when we accept his offer.
So I'm going to end now with Jesus' words again from John chapter 15. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen. Amen.